Hello, and welcome to the F the Glitter podcast, the podcast that is centered around highlighting women of color in the world of graphic design, brand design, and marketing strategy. I am your host, Ashley of A. Louise Creative, and today I have the honor of having Miss Keisha Whaley. Keisha is the owner of Brass Tax Collective, which is not tax like T-A-X, but tax like thumbtacks. It is the creative agency of Conscious Change, and they are located in Dallas, Texas. So when I did my recon work, um, I saw that Brass Tax, a lot of your clients tend to be uh, social impact type situations, but you also have a nonprofit organization. Yeah, that's right. So tell us a bit about how awesome you are and what Brass Tax is about. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I, I started Brass Tax um, about six years ago. Um, my my interest was um, not really born out of me finding everything's perfect and I'm happy. I was really frustrated. So um, I had been working as a graphic designer for um, like seven years and um, I kept kind of running up against these same things where um, out in the industry, the expectation is if you're going to apply for an entry-level position, you should already have one to two years of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very hard to get those couple of years unless you know someone or your college, um, you know, has kind of a pipeline with a company. It's really hard to get in the industry and um and in questioning people of like okay why are we asking for that if we're not giving them a way to get it it was sort of like well that's just how we do it mm-hmm. um you know and then like internships are still unpaid internships it's uh highly illegal and unethical and people do it anyway um and then i also saw um like if there was a nonprofit or a local organization that um, that we wanted to work with, like any of the creative team wanted to work with, um, the higher ups would basically be like, well, if you can promise us press, then we'll do it. But otherwise we're not working with, you know, it's, it's too much chaos. It's not enough money. And there's just all like this whole kind of system built around like, um, rules that nobody can really give you good reasons for. Mm -hmm. And so that upset me enough where I was um, kind of between Yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay, do I want to keep trying to find a place that understands and agrees with me and and I can just sort of fit in there and still do design and art direction, all of that, or do I need to actually resolve something? So um, ultimately I decided to start Brass Packs. And then it it took a while before we got to the point where we are now, where we actually have two entities. So we have Brass Tax Collective, which is the agency um, with the professionals. We take clients and and kind of do all the things that you would expect from an agency. And then BT Foundry, which is our nonprofit arm. And that's where our paid apprenticeship programs are, our boot camps. Um, We take our lower budget clients on that side. So um, we have this this kind of two-headed monster thing that operates out in the world. But... um, but that second, that second piece, the nonprofit is actually pretty recent. We've been operating as one entity for years, and um, and then finally we're able to separate it to sort of um, really live into everything that that I started the agency to do. Okay, that's what's up. So basically, it's like you found the problem because you were having the problem, and then you found mm-hmm. a solution for the problem, and now you get paid for the solution. So it's wonderful. It's now awesome. we get paid. <laughs> So did you go to school for graphic design? Like, is that, was that your, I'm going to be a graphic designer. So like you always kind of knew it or did you kind of fall into it? Like a lot of us do. 
Well, you know, it wasn't until I was 16 that I felt definite about graphic design because up until then it was like everything involved in the arts. Like I did, I did 10 years of theater. I did um, complete uh, two years of competitive acting. Like I never did any sports, but I've got trophies in acting. So uh, (laughs) if you ever need that, I'm I'm the girl to call. Um, And then I did, uh, I did music. I did visual art, like just and writing, like everything that was involved in the arts. That's what I did. And when I was 16, my cousin um, started going to college uh, in Tulsa, um, Oklahoma, which is where I'm from is Oklahoma. But um, he started going to college for graphic design. I was like, okay, what's this? Because I was the kid that like, when another kid drew outside the lines, like that made me uncomfortable. And I was like, you're not, you're not going to do that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and like the art major that was like, uh, these things that have rules, like, come on. And so graphic design appealed to that sense of me of like, this is art with rules. These, you know, there are parameters, there are goals, problem solving. So that's whenever I kind of went into it. And, um, I went to, uh, OU University of Oklahoma and, um, mostly because it was in, my backyard like you know that's where I that's where I live right there. yeah um if I had uh all the money and ability I would have tried to go to like SCAD or RISD or something like that but um but I went to OU and and I don't I don't feel bad about that at all like it's it's not um a bad program or anything it did bother me that they didn't teach uh web at all uh, in this I, I graduated in 2009 like it's not like the okay. internet was brand new <laughs> so we in the same we in the same class then because like I went to Clark Atlanta um my, oh, cool. my major was psychology I wasn't even anywhere near okay. graphic design like I did it because that's what I like yep. to do but I wasn't like yep. in it and I, I graduated in 08 so we were in school about the same time yeah. so that's like right around Facebook got popular and that's when yeah. like all the stuff really started jumping Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, it was like, you know, we were, we were starting to live our lives online, you know, mm-hmm. and like before that it was like live journal and MySpace and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was really weird to me that I went into a design program where they were like, if you want to know website design, like you have to teach it yourself. And I was just like, mm, okay. But, <laughs> um, but that's, that's where I took my career first was into web design. I, I really kind of narrowed my focus there and, um, and that's what brought me to Dallas. Okay. So I see that you, you started off as an intern and then you went through like the whole process. Like you're a graphic designer and you became a creative director and then you were like, all right, let's do my own thing. And I'm like, yep. wow, like I'm reading your bio and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Cause like, I was like, yeah, I was a freelancer and I did my freelance thing. And then I was like, you know what? I can get paid a lot more if I do this by myself. I don't want to do this for you anymore. Yeah. I'm going to do this over here. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she's one of the few, yeah. you guys. Like she's, a, she's a diamond. She's one of the few. She did all the steps. <laughs> So, like, how do you feel about the representation of women of color in our industry? It's it's stupid. It's nowhere close to where it should be. Mm. Um, you know, I worked at an agency when I first came here. I was in love with this agency. It's called IMC Squared and had the company culture that I loved and all of that. But there were many times that I would call out, like, I'm the only woman in this room or I'm the only like I'm the darkest skin in here and I'm very light skin. So like mm-hmm. what's going on here? Um, There's actually a point where we were pitching for uh, an HIV um, drug campaign. This was like when PrEP was very first being um, put out in the world. And so we were pitching for that. And the entire campaign was supposed to be centered around black men. And there was not a single black man in, in all on our creative team, like in the company, like in 500 people, there's not a single black man on the creative team in the company. And so they brought me in 
And I'm like, okay, well, I, all black people. I, yeah, I could speak <laughs> this much about what black men might be up to. Right. And um, so I was like, I, I just don't think that this is a fit for us or we need to take it a different way. And so I challenged, I pushed back a lot. And, um, you know, I started IMC Squared as an intern the first time I was still in college. But whenever I graduated, I was 20 and uh, I was promoted to senior designer within three years, which is hard to do. And it took a lot of focus. But um, but one of the reasons that I was promoted is because I was not afraid to talk to senior leadership or anybody about what I saw and um, and come up with solutions. It wasn't just, you know, I was I here's what I think is a problem. I was actually coming to them being like, what if we did it this way? What if we you know made intentional news that way? And so I earned my spot there. I earned a lot of trust by doing that. But um, it was it, it really kind of kept me in two worlds where. I had my, I had to do design work and I had um, interns that reported to me. I had all these things that I had to juggle. And I also was an ear to senior leadership and trying to shape our, our diversity and inclusion before I even, you know, before that was a thing, like DNI was not right. an objective of anybody at the time. And, um, and then whenever I left there, I went into PR and it was even worse. I mean, I was like the only person of color at all in the company and in, in the PR firm that I was working at. And it just, we just have so much work to do. We have so much work to do. In Dallas. Mm-hmm. In Dallas. Yeah. All in black folks. In Dallas. Like you're mm-hmm. the only black person. Wow. Like that's yep. crazy. Like I'm from I'm from DC. And I went to okay. school in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. I live in Monroe. And so growing up, all I saw was black people in charge. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that's all I saw growing up. And then we moved to Monroe and I was like, What's happening? <laughs> This is backwards, y'all. Like something's yeah. not right, you know. And, yeah. But I understand it though, because like people would come to DC and be like, "This is the first time I've seen so many black people in power." And I'm like, "What? Are you serious?" Yeah. But yeah. I'm just thinking of like Oklahoma. Like it's a it's a lot of black people in Oklahoma, but that doesn't mean that it's a lot of black people in positions where you know final decisions no. can be made. You know, so it's, it's really crazy, and that's part of the reason why the, the podcast was created. Is because like, yeah, all the people I see who are leaders in our industry are these young white guys from australia and it's like it's <laughs> they are from australia why is that where y'all coming from <laughs> there's plenty of us here what are you serious yeah so it's like well, this one factory that just keeps turning them out <laughs> y'all are influencers now it's like, where y'all come from no 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 go back over there go back over there right. stay in australia yeah we got this over yeah. here you go over there so I, I, yeah. I'll come visit you. I'm, right. I'm on vacation there, but <laughs> don't come over here and tell me what to do. Just go over there. Okay. So let's, let's pull that back because I was about to go on a rant. Okay. <laughs> so what would you say? Because you are you were a designer first, how would yeah. you describe your design style? I was um so I've done so much work in my life to make sure like I don't have an accent so you can't tell where I'm from. (laughs) I also have done so much work as a designer to make sure that I don't have a style, you know, like what I, um, but there are things that give it away. All of us have things, we always have things that we gravitate to. Yeah, there are things that give it away. So what's yours? um, (laughs) I have, I have kind of this tendency towards um, tiny type and you know, like like trying to um, maximize the the impact of the words themselves, like the meaning of the words themselves, with the image itself. So if you look at something that I do, um, the the typography itself will be kind of understated. We'll have some sort of big, like beautiful image, and then there's there's some sort of like 
wink and a nod to it like the mm-hmm. the image the image goes along with the words itself so it it ends up being like um kind of cinematic I guess I I, okay. I get a lot of influence from movies especially like West theater. movies like yeah and theater tons of theater so you know there there are no words on it on a stage I mean unless you have a sign or something but there's no words on stage and and in a movie unless you have captions on like you don't the dialogue but that's that's kind of the experience that I want people to have when they're looking at a website that I did a presentation deck you know a book design whatever that is is like I want you to kind of fall into an environment and mm-hmm. just have the, the intention of the words kind of around you okay cool 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 so with that what has been like your most enjoyable project like the one that you were like hm, I put my name on that that's mine so this one this one was years ago and I'm sure Sure, some in the grand scheme, it will not be as cool to me as it. I mean, it's been a long time, so maybe maybe it still will be. But um, so this was when I was um, I was way kind of baby in in um, my design like career. I think I was in year two, mm-hmm. and we had Disney as a client. <gasps> they were doing this, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of a big Disney nerd. Um, I've watched a ton of the movies. I used to like go around and try to find all of the um, like props and stuff, like people that restored props. And I'd be like, can I ever buy like a Peter Pan one day or something, you know, like all this stuff. So we get Disney and the whole thing is this touchscreen app. And it is, um, it's made for like travel agents to show the Disney resorts and the properties and all this stuff. So I'm building these screens and, and the information is pretty, you know, like dry. Mm-hmm. And here's a picture of a hotel and here's a description and all of that. But what I got to do was create these backgrounds that were, they felt very Disney. So I had like a daytime and a nighttime and it would transition as you were going through it. Mm-hmm. And I, I put um, pixie dust. I made a pixie dust kind of <gasps> pathway and um, I made a hidden Mickey in the clouds because hidden Mickeys are a big thing in the parks. Mm-hmm. And so we go to show it to them. And I'm like, <laughs> like trying to hold myself together. Like, I wonder if they're going to notice my background. And um, someone goes, uh, can we stop for a second? They're like, um, where did you get this background? And I'm like, I made it. And they're like, um, uh, that's not our official pixie dust. And I was like, you have official, official pixie, pixie dust? dust? <laughs> they, were like, they were like, yeah, we're going to need to send that to you. So in like, I kind of halfway felt a little devastated that they didn't go like, oh my God, your pixie dust is so masterful. Like come have a job at Disney. But on the other hand, when I got the pixie dust officially, I was like, I have Disney's real pixie, pixie dust, dust people <laughs> on my computer. Like <laughs> that's been the, of all the things I've worked on, I've worked on some really cool things. Like that was the thing that's like my little treasure trove of moments. I know. Like, of all the things that they noticed, of all the things that they noticed, they said the background. And then the thing that you got to actually put your hands in, they said the background. Yep. And then they yep. said, hold on. That's not our pixie dust. Hold on, let me get you the real pixie dust so you put that because we yeah. want to keep it, but we need to make yeah. sure it fits our trademark. Yeah. <laughs> let me get you that picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know. Oh, you got me hiding. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they call me again though, because I would love to do some more pixie dust work. She <laughs> wants more work, y'all. We need Hello. to get our own as a contractor. Contractor. We don't want our own staff. We want a contractor. Contractor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh, that's like that's exciting. You got me hyped. Oh, <laughs> yes, Disney. Disney. Like that's that's that's, that's mega. Like that's 
huge. Wow, like that's huge. Well, so that just rolls right into the next question, man. Like, yes. So what would you say when you left the agency and you decided to start Mm -hmm. Brass Tax Collective? Like, what would you say was the most important step that you took starting out, like stepping out onto your own? What was like the big, what would you say was the most important? It was, it was talking It was not even talking. It was asking a lot of questions of other people and listening, really listening, because I had um, I had friends and other colleagues that had started their own agencies or or even businesses. And um, I really kind of stepped outside of even agency world. I wanted to know from like what healthcare people do, because a lot of them use the apprenticeship model like I was going to. Mm -hmm. And I talked to um, people that were in all different types of small, like tiny small businesses and then like larger ones. I really wanted to know kind of what was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can read books and, and um, there's a lot of information out there, but when you're really hearing it from someone and you can ask the questions, like if you rely on the books, a lot of times they'll gloss over the hard stuff. You know, mm-hmm. they'll say something like, you know, in our first two years, we really struggled. And then we hit our stride. Well, tell me about the struggle. Like what happened? Right. And what really came down? Yeah. So those are the conversations that I was having. I was, you know, taking people to lunch and dinner and being like, okay, let's talk about when you couldn't make payroll, like, what did you do? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how do you, how do you choose the benefits package and, and kind of, you know, it was, it was all this stuff that I, I was never been, um, interested in, until, you know, and that business was sort of facing me. So that was, I think that was the most important thing. Well, what made you decide to go people. from, well, did you start as a solopreneur? Or did you start strictly as an agency? Like, did you, you brought people with you or you started by yourself and then kind of grew into? Well, it, it took me probably three months to get other people with me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just me for about three months, but I always had the intention that this was going to be an agency. Okay. So, um, it was, I, I really didn't like doing freelance while I had a day job. It mm-hmm. was just too much to juggle, you know, by myself. And I am not an effective uh, self project manager. <laughs> I am, I'm not like, I am such a time optimist. I'm like, Oh, I can get it done. And then it's like five minutes before it's due. And I'm like, <laughs> um, let's see now. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so when I would take freelance stuff, it was very few and far between. And I always made sure it was tiny, 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 so I could get it done. But when I, when I wanted to start this agency, then I really had to. Mm-hmm. So I was taking on like full clients. I was working 90 hour weeks, you know, or more trying to balance because I wasn't ready to leave my job yet. Um, and then there's this whole side world, which I would not encourage anyone to do. I sort of accidentally picked up another job at a restaurant, um, <laughs> a nonprofit restaurant that I've been working with, Cafe Momentum, which is excellent. If you don't know about Cafe Momentum, look them up. They're starting to expand outside of Dallas into other locations, other states. But um, I had been volunteering for them for dinner events and mm-hmm. had been doing uh, graphic design work for them. And then when we uh, got to opening the restaurant, like I found my name on the schedule. I was like, do I work here? And they were like, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the time I wasn't going to start breast tax yet. And I was just like, okay, that's fine. So I had those two jobs and then I decided to start the agency. So now I have basically three jobs and it was insane. So pare that down for anybody that's listening, like don't do that. But, um, it was, uh, you know, it, for a while I was operating as a freelancer, like mm-hmm. completely as a freelancer, but I was really giving everyone the, the, um, 
impression that there were more people behind me as because there were, there were going to be. Yeah, yeah. As, as we all did. Like, hi, this is mm-hmm. Ashley Louise Creative. And I'm the creative mm-hmm. director, Ashley. And this is the senior graphic designer, Louise. And this is, and I'm all sitting here like, hi. I, yeah, yeah. I say person, but it's a team. It's a team. You can't see a team. So how yep. did you so explain? Okay, so you're the first, you're the first of my interviewees who is not a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. You're like you're the first that's not by yourself, only by you know, like doing it all by yourself. So yeah. how would you describe the hiring process for finding other creatives to work with you? Cause like I could see it yeah. if you were like you weren't a creative, you was like strictly numbers, like we gotta do A, B, and C. Can you mm-hmm. provide this for me? But you're a creative looking for other creatives to work with you you see what I'm saying so like how how was that hiring process to like like my man my mind is blown right now like I'm trying to figure that out a lot it's a lot and so when I started I started with my friends and people that I'd worked with um which some of that worked well and some of it blew up in my face like there was somebody that because they were my friend just decided not to do a couple of projects that I gave him and mm-hmm. I was like hey what's up and he was like oh I got busy with something else I'm like this is my business though like we, we're not doing that like you have to communicate mm-hmm. so um so I found that like just because someone is someone that you feel like you have a relationship with doesn't necessarily translate into them being comfortable with you being their boss mm-hmm. so that was a big one um I also learned very quickly how to evaluate portfolios mm-hmm. and um there are a lot of people kind of in the world that present teamwork as their own work and don't tell you they don't want to tell you what their contribution was because it may not have been that much and so you have to start like really digging in to see like can you can your creative work support what we are going to do can your skills support what we're going to do mm-hmm. um i had a very very informal um interview style at the beginning it was basically just a quick chat and um I, I've learned about myself that I, I fall in love with people quickly. Like I, you know, I see their, I see their potential and they're warm and, you know, I'm warm and we're, we're bonding. And so I'm like, okay, come work for me. Like, let me immediately start paying you and let's get some stuff in. And, um, and that's a difficult thing to try to, um, navigate because you you're not always making the hire that's going to do the best for your company you are in that case like it for me I was making hires that I could do the best for them and that's a that you know on the apprenticeship program side that's exactly what I need to be doing I need to be pulling people in that you know I and the rest of the team can help to shape and prepare and give them everything that we've got so that they can go out and be successful Mm -hmm. but my professional team needs to do that for me, me. They need to bring to me everything that they've got. So um, it's been tricky. It's been really tricky. And, um, you know, firing somebody or letting somebody go really sucks. Mm-hmm. And um, I know people that are totally comfortable with that. I'm not one of those human beings. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just this constant kind of battle. This is actually the main reason why I didn't want to have my own agency is because I didn't want to hire and fire. <laughs> And, you know, I, I look forward to the day that I have someone that does that so that I don't have to anymore, but that's your yeah. job. You give them the letter. I don't, I don't want to do it. Hello. Just, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know about it. I want to meet the person after they're already working for me. And then I want to just one day be like, I don't know where they went. 
Like that's mm-hmm. I can't I can't be involved more than that or else everyone will stay forever. <laughs> right, right. Well, right now we are in the midst of the COVID era. That's what I'm gonna call it. Like first we were like, oh yeah, it's Corona. We were just on punishment for a couple months, but now it's been a year. Actually, it'll be a year in two weeks, y'all. It'll be a year in oh, two no. weeks that we've had to oh, deal no. with coronavirus. Fat Tuesday was last week, so yeah. we all know that everything blew up after you know after um, 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 Mardi Gras because. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. came in from out of town, went to New Orleans, partied, commingled, touched each other, and then mm-hmm. they went home and then went. They did. Right. Mm-hmm. So, how has business been since we've been in our quote unquote national epidemic? We, uh, so at the beginning of 2020, I got really like laser focused on I am going to divide the business into two entities. I'm going to increase our, our revenue, like all this stuff. And I was working really hard and I was getting there. Like we were already seeing the changes in January, February and March. And then we go into to lockdown with this kind of two week assumption. It's going to be two weeks. So, you know, we, our, our client meetings got pushed out and, you know, project kickoff got pushed out. And so we had this big drop for two weeks at the end of March where we weren't really doing anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, but everything was supposed to pick back up in April and then here comes April and then it's like, well, maybe we can do it in May here comes May and maybe September. And then like, it just kept things kept getting pushed out. So what we were able to do is pivot a little bit. We had, we had started kind of turning away from the lowest budget clients um, because we were, we were going to set those up for the nonprofit to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't even start the nonprofit because of everything going mm-hmm. on. So then we had to go ahead and continue to take the lower budget work. Um, so as we're doing that, I'm helping people that are, you know, they used to have a corporate job and now they're on their own. I'm helping mm-hmm. them start their own business and giving them branding to get them out there and messaging support. So we're doing a ton of work. We're very busy but our profit margins are coming down as we are uh, doing like workable budgets, affordable budgets. So, um, and then these bigger projects um, got pushed out into Neverland. I mean, like some of them never happened at all. Some of them were, you know, just kicked off now, um, stuff like that. So, um, so it it was, it was kind of weird because um, like going through the PPP process, Mm -hmm. they want to see, um, your money, like for the second round, they're right. asking for what is, what's your top line revenue? And did you suffer a loss? Well, technically we grew all year in our revenue because right. we were doing so much work Smaller and everything, project. but we, yeah, but I also grew the team. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went from having just like basically one full-time employee, which was myself and everybody else on contract to bringing in six full-time employees plus myself. And then just a couple of contractors. Thank you. Um, so for me, I'm looking at like, well, our profit margin was lower than the year before, but they're like, no, but you're, you grew by, you know, your revenue grew by, uh, like 150%. It was like, but and my payroll ended like, up too. Like I yeah, got to pay hello. these people. These are, this is how this works. So, um, so I don't know what this year is going to present for us, but, uh, we're kind of flying solo as far as government assistance goes. And, um, and now that we have gotten the two, um, entities established, we can continue to serve the clients that are important to me to, to serve, which are nonprofits and small businesses and startups, they will come through the foundry. Mm-hmm. And then our higher budget, you know, we've got um, some corporate clients where we're working on their uh, social impact projects. And so they can continue to come through the collective. So um, I feel good about kind of what's coming for the year, but 
it was, it was a weird one to navigate last year. And we did finally see like our first month of true loss in December. So I'm at least proud of, proud of us for kind of stating it off to that point. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it was frustrating to hit it anyway, because I thought we might have been in the clear. Right. I don't know. I think this year might stabilize, you know, because I hope so. I I think it's going to stabilize mainly because we're not surprised anymore. Like it's not a shock. And we've kind of gotten into the groove of having to work from home or having to find alternate Mm -hmm. ways to do things. And so I I just have a feeling that for 2021 and on, it won't be such a surprise. It'll be, it won't be like, oh my God, what are we going to do? It'll be more like, okay, well, we know this is going to happen. So let's, let's move on over here and then we'll come back, you know, if ever, but let's just move over here for now and we'll take care of it then. Mm -hmm. So with that, this is our last professional question. Okay. What would be some advice that you would give to somebody who's looking for your particular service when they're vetting a professional? What are some things mm-hmm. that you think they need to ask that professional? I, I think that I think that most people feel like um, creative in general is sort of this mysterious thing. Um, <laughs> you know, like, well, there are creatives and there are not creatives and I'm not a creative. And I, I always try to encourage people to think about like if if you are able of the to think you know like thought mm-hmm. itself is creativity so you know don't count yourself out but because of that I think that people don't question the strategic process mm-hmm. and that is so important you have to know that the person that you're going to have do the work for you has a strong strategic process because there are generators out in the world you know logo generators and there are um, you know, things like Canva and stuff like that. And I don't think that those things are problematic. If that's mm-hmm. where you are, if you are just starting something and it's proof of concept, like you don't need to come to me and spend money with me. Right. You need to do things as bare bones as you can so that when you do get that capital or you do get your first customers, like put that money away. But, um, but when you're actually looking to engage with a, a high level creative or an agency or whatever that is, um, ask them about their strategic process and see if they're actually going to learn, um, you know, the market and you and your audiences and shape the work around that, or if they're just going to do whatever they were going to do in the first place. And then, you know, try to make it retrofit your business. Um, I just, I see that happen so much um, with businesses. They, they get branding or a website or something that like, it doesn't seem to fit. Um, mm-hmm. when you ask them what they do, it doesn't fit. And, and so they're like, well, we had a designer and I'm like, I bet you did, but I bet that that designer doesn't have a strategic background and mm-hmm. is not able to really work with you to present what you do in the best way. Right. Yeah. I can get with it. Like, uh, one of the things I'm trying to ask is make sure that your designer communicates with you. Yeah. You know? Like, even if you don't hear from them every day, you know, like some clients I talk sure. to almost every day. Mm -hmm. they just so happen to be one of those people we resonate with you know Mm -hmm. but then you have some people who's like you may not hear from me for like a week and a half but I'm going to tell you you're not going to hear from me for about a week and a half yeah yeah I'm going to set expectations there's other stuff happening you know but at least Mm -hmm. you know that you won't hear from that person for about a week like it won't be like I haven't heard from them in like three days I don't know what's going on it's like no no Mm -hmm. that's normal that's okay like you'll be fine you'll be fine but yeah that's actually a really good one like a strategic process like having one um I'm be totally honest I I have one but it's not like an official this is exactly what I do every time it's like I'm going to do one of these things at some point in time during our process but it won't be like a yeah so first we do this and then we do this and Mm -hmm. then we do this because as a creative I don't think that way like I can't think no I don't either I don't either (laughs) I'm I was um 
I did the um, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses uh, cohort at the beginning of last year, which is a big part of how I was able to kind of put the, the wheels back on everything. And I, I feel great about that time there. But um, they were asking us to do process documents, like actually writing down everything. And I was like, I mean, I know all this, like I have the whole kind of catalog of things that I could pull in. Yeah. The questions I can ask and, and all those things, but a lot of it is assessed on the fly. So Mm -hmm. for me to actually document like what happens to what happens, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. So Mm -hmm. I ended up skipping that part. And (laughs) now I'm getting to the point where I'm, uh, we have a fractional, um, COO coming in and wants that information. Like I need to see your process. And I'm just like, man, I don't, don't it's going to it's going to be like a really big decision tree. Like right. did they say this, okay, well then these really? might be the options. Did they? Yeah. So yes. that's, but, but even still, like what I can say at a high level to our strategic process is like, we, we start with, um, you know, interview kind of t- to start our discovery. Then we go into our research mode. Then we are looking at not only the market, but adjacent um, markets uh, mm-hmm. to kind of get cues from there. And then we're looking, so I can do that kind of high level. That's how I would speak to our, our strategic process. And I think that works. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's asking for like a formula, then I'm like, well, I don't have one, but also we may not be a fit because I don't have a formulaic approach to what I'm doing. Otherwise all of our stuff would look the exact same. And, you know, like there would be no reason to come to us. We just put right. everything in templates and let you just buy yeah, it. Let you do it. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, we are going to take our break now. We're going to take a slight pause. We're going to do a little mid roll, a little bill paying, you know, and then we're going to come back and we're going to do the fun part. Yay. We're going to get to know who Keisha is for real. I'm so excited. All right. This year, Ftheglitter.com is also the home of the ETG Creatives, a directory of professional, vetted, and experienced women of color who are graphic designers, brand designers, web designers, illustrators, publicists, copywriters, and other creative professionals. If you're looking to get listed on a trusted platform, or if you're looking to hire a woman of color creative with a proven track record, then you need to go to www.fTheGlitter.com for more information. That is E-F-F-T-H-E-G-L-I-T-T-E-R.com. And we are back with Miss Keisha Whaley of Brass Tax Collective. Not tax with an X, but tax like thumbtacks. I say that because when I say it, it sounds like tax at connect. And it's like, no, no, it's not that kind of tax. But yep, this is yep. the this is the random question section. This is the fun part. This is where we get to know who she is. Like we know who she is from her political activism and her social activism aspect of it. But we get to know who mm-hmm. she is, like if we were to go hang out and go get pizza or something. So with that, Miss Keisha. What's your favorite mm-hmm. style of food? So I am big, big, big on Asian foods. Um, I think I started uh, the wrong way with uh, Maruchan ramen noodles, but um, <laughs> but my whole life, like I've always been big on Chinese, J- Japanese, Vietnamese, um, even uh, like Thai food and and Laotian food is really good. So mm. I'm yeah, that's that's always my like go to. Um, like I don't feel well and I don't think about chicken noodle soup. I think about pho. Um, oh. Like that's where I go. It's, it's Asian food. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so jealous because mm-hmm. you live in a city where all of that's accessible to you. Like, it's like yeah, I'm going to go down the street to, you I know. know. 
And I'm here, and it's like everything's deep fried and covered in gravy. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, I have a soft spot in my heart for all that too. But yeah, it is different. Like when we travel, sometimes we'll be like, you do a road trip or something, you're driving through something, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Is this all we this have? Is it. Like, this is it. <laughs> That's it. That's all there is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else. This is. Yep. So if you could pick any famous person from the past, the past could be last week. Who would it mm-hmm. be? If you could spend a day with that person, I think it's Prince. Really? I think it's Prince. I, you know, because part of me wants to say like David Bowie. Prince and David Bowie are are very important to me for lots of reasons, but, um, but. Prince, I think, was somewhere between a genius and probably insane. Like, I remember after he died, his uh, one of his assistants wrote this thing in, like, Vanity Fair or something, and she was like, he didn't really understand why some things couldn't happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she, he got up at, like, 3 a.m. and came into her room and was like, I need a llama. And she was like, what? And he's like, I need a llama. I need you to get me a llama right now. And she was like, it is 3 in the morning. Like, it's How am I supposed to get you a llama? He was like, I need to record something right now. I need a llama. Like, cause he, he had his own video studio uh-huh. in, um, in Paisley Park. And she was just like, I don't know how to explain this to you. Like, there's no way for me to get you a llama right now. And he just did not get it. So like, I want to, I want to, I would spend a day with Prince and just be like, okay, tell me about this llama. Oh, but also you. like, yeah, but what <laughs> else was going on? Cause he would also like make breakfast for everybody. Like some mornings, like he was very kind, but just like, lived on another planet where there were no rules oh, interesting interesting I, I might have to look into that we need to talk about that yeah yeah so of all the places that you traveled which was your favorite my my go-to like what I crave what I yearn for is New York Um, I've been I've been kind of all over the U.S. I've been now to um, to Paris and around different areas of of, uh, France around that and I've been to Mexico and islands and stuff but um, New York is the place that I go to clear my head. Mm -hmm. I am a very extroverted person. I need people around Mm -hmm. and um, but when I'm when I'm like overwhelmed with something I also need my own space and in New York as we all know like you have to be on fire and touch someone for them to look at you so you can go be in a million people in a huge crowd and be completely alone yeah so um yeah that's my place it's um I love the architecture I love how weird it is I love even like the dirty smelly parts like all of it um (laughs) And, and, you know, all the food is there and all the things to do. And so, yeah, that's, that's my place. And I, I haven't been to New York in now over a year and it is Itchy. hurting me. Itchy. Yeah. <laughs> I would go like four go, times a year. But you can't go because mm-hmm. Corona, you, you, you go breathe the air and you're going to catch it. You can't do that. You can't go to I'm not going. I'm not going until it's all clear. Like not even just like we can fly again comfortably. Like it has to be all clear because it is like everything there's nowhere for it to go like there's a wall everywhere so you're just like even if you're outside you're inside my husband and I we were watching a movie last night we're watching New Jack City actually we're watching New Jack City oh nice and it was one of the club scenes and he was talking about how he's like man I can't even watch a club scene without thinking oh y'all go get corona I know I know everybody's in everybody's faces like people are like grabbing somebody else's drink and drinking something like all this stuff and you're just like what like all this stuff that was normal it was like you can't even do that no more I know so do you uh, do you partake in spirits and libations? Do you like to drink? I do. I what do. Your, yeah. What is your drink? What is your your go to? 
so my my alcohol of choice is gin um because i guess i'm a like a little british woman uh somewhere deep in my heart i don't know but uh but it's it's been gin um really since my 20s okay. and um it used to be that my go-to was a gin and tonic but it, like full disclosure is because i didn't know what other cocktails had gin in them mm-hmm. so it was just like okay i know that one. like that's yeah that's good um but then uh my my boyfriend uh, we actually met when he was bartending. Uh, he's a uh, like bar manager and everything at uh, at a restaurant years ago. And so he would just make me cocktails. Like, yeah, like all of these things. And it was it was like a everything that he had was amazing. And all these gins I hadn't even heard of. Like mm-hmm. my knowledge was like Bee Feeder and Fords for a long time. And then it was like, oh, there's other ones. Like Lisa here we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Hendrix, like um, botanical, it's, it's all this stuff. So. Um, I right now am, uh, I really like this cocktail called the Aviator, mm-hmm. um, which is a really nice kind of light citrusy and sweet drink. And then um, sweet in a gin way. It's right. obviously not like dessert. Um, and then um, there, there are a couple of other really good ones. Uh, Singapore Sling is one that I've been interested in lately. Um, mm, but yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fun. They're fun, um, really tart drinks. Yes, I'm taking notes. Good. <laughs> okay. Well, what would you say? Look, so we got we got the gin and tonic, but no, we're doing mm-hmm. aviators now. Aviators. Mm-hmm. So when we're you get a chance aviator. to have a sit down and enjoy your aviator, what do you like to mm-hmm. do when you relax? Like what kind of helps bring you back down mm-hmm. out of being in a CEO or just a, just a working state? Like what kind of brings you back down to your world? My uh, my best relaxation, again, because I'm, I'm a little old woman, um, it is a hot bath cocktail the golden girls on an ipad set up next to the bathtub that's that's my that's my relaxation for You're it like. zenial. that's all that is that ain't old lady yeah. stuff that's those of us yeah. who were yeah. born in the late 80s mm-hmm. who enjoyed that 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 doesn't make you yeah. an old lady like no. Well, no, no no i i own all the episodes of the golden girls i've watched them all hundreds of times you could say <laughs> one piece of a line and i will tell you what the rest of the line is what everyone else said what episode it's from like all of that so yeah that's my that's my like i just need to unwind and be somewhere totally comfortable hot bath cocktail golden girl okay so that's relaxation what do you do to get yourself out of a creative funk Ooh, um it's been different kind of over the years based mm-hmm. on what's going on um I mean, for a while it was, well, let's see if I can get to New York, you know, soon enough. But, um, (laughs) but I also, uh, because of the pandemic, I found gardening was a big deal. Um, So at first we were gardening just because our backyard was awful. Like it just, it was, everything was dead and (laughs) we didn't really go out there. Like our dog went out there and that was it. But uh, we were like, let's let's make a nice backyard. So we focused on all of that. And then I found that like, I would kind of hit a wall and um just going outside and sort of being with the plants and and starting to like work through the soil it gave me something that my mind had to focus on so i couldn't really be in the back of my head trying to solve this puzzle over and over again yeah and so it just it happens kind of subconsciously and you walk back inside and you're like oh that's that's what i want 
Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's how I am when I'm, when I get stuck, I go make something like one of my clients, yeah. she does um, body butters in soap and stuff. And she got me making mm-hmm. body butters and stuff. Cause originally yes. I was like, she had these pictures and I was like, girl, I got to take better pictures for you. Cause this ain't going to work. But it was like the middle of the summer. So I was like, I'll make the body butter to take the pictures with. So it doesn't melt when it gets here. I was like, yeah. no. So she got me making this, man, I got so many essential oils and butters and stuff and mm-hmm. creams and things that I'm, you know, so it's like, we got, we got a whole cabinet full of things that I've made just because it was like, okay, I'm stuck. I got to go make something. And my husband yeah. was like, we don't need no more. I'm like, no, no, we, we got to, I got to make something. I got to make something. Yeah. And I don't want to bake is, because I'm fat no. enough. So I was like, <laughs> I don't want to, I'm now baking is stressful to me because like, I know what, well, I know what can go wrong. Like if you don't do it right, you like, you get one thing wrong with the baking soda or the baking powder, or, like we're done now, or like mm-hmm. you're out of something and you're like, well, there's no substitution for cinnamon. Like, <laughs> you know, right. you, get, you get to those points. So yeah, but um, making something for sure, it gives, it gives the, you know, your active brain something to focus on. Yeah. And then you can, yeah. All right. So do you have a business bestie? Yes. Yes. And um, I actually have a, a couple of them, but um, when I, when I was very first starting, I mentioned that I was working at Cafe Momentum, the mm-hmm. executive director and founder of that is Chad Hauser mm-hmm. and um, has been my best friend for years. And uh, I actually have a tattoo on my ankle that says uh, Viva Chato, which is his, uh, everybody in the kitchen, like restaurant world has kitchen names. His kitchen name is Chato. Um, but yeah, so I would, I would go to him with like everything. Uh-huh. And, um, and now that his sort of business has, uh, Captain Momentum is expanding, like he, he, I don't have immediate access to him anymore, just like he doesn't necessarily have immediate access to me. So now I've got a couple of others that are starting to feel all of that. Um, even my mom, to an extent, I'll be like, okay, so I'm thinking about different, um, uh, policy documents, uh, for our benefits guide. My mom's like, I can't what <laughs> and my mom owns a business too but she has a different completely different model and she's like i i i, don't, I, don't I can't get it. excited about this with you right now <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> no i can't okay. yeah all right. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Miss Keisha, for coming with me, especially since yeah. this is our second time around. Like the first time we kind of we missed the first one because we had to reschedule. And now we're, yeah. we finally got to actually meet, you know what I'm saying? We're like good. not just yeah. through, you know, the Internet. So where <laughs> can people find you? Where do people yeah. find you so they can spend money with you so that they can support the foundry so that they can support the collective? Like where can they yeah. find you? Where can they get in contact with you? Yeah. So, okay. So there are websites, which are brasstaxcollective.com, btfoundry.org. Um, on social media, uh, we've got Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, all of those same things. Brass Tax Collective and BT Foundry are our handles on all of those. For me personally, I have um, my LinkedIn and then also my Instagram, which is mostly fine art that I've done, mm-hmm. um, is at cider underscore Ella. Okay. Ciderella. Um, cause I am uh, gluten-free and have been drinking ciders for years. So, okay. uh, yeah, cider underscore Ella. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, those are the, those are the main things. Um, you guys have anything so coming up? We have, we have a few things, um, on the BT Foundry side, we have our, uh, boot camps are just now underway. We've got our apprenticeship program. Um, applications are open right now. So if anybody is interested in apprenticing for us, it is paid. It's one to two years um, working on real work and getting extensive training stuff that they do not teach in schools. Um, all of that is there. 
If you want to be a client, there's a start a project button on both the btfoundry.org and brasstackscollective.com websites. Um, that goes directly to me, um, and then we can kind of get it rolling. And um, if you want to reach out on LinkedIn and talk about, I don't know, anything, if you need a mentor, if you want to mentor someone, if you want to teach a workshop, if you're interested in um, just finding out kind of more about what we're doing and what we're involved in, there's that as well. And then the last thing, which is something that um, I sort of accidentally started a, a, a movement, um, <laughs> Fed Up Dallas. Uh, it's, it's a group that is um, setting out to end the food apartheid in Dallas. We have so many areas where there's um, not access to food, but also healthcare and all these things. So um, we are, we're an initiative to bring together the organizations and people already working in those areas that have otherwise been siloed and therefore ignored or passed over by the city. Um, so we're bringing those people together so that they can, we can all work together and share resources and move it forward. So that's set up Dallas. That's on oh. Facebook right now. All right. So yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I love it. 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 It's this social activism. It's um it's not just allowing yourself to be marginalized based on what people think of you, but yeah. it's, it's seeing the problem and then finding a way to fix it. It's not just complaining about the problem, but it's like, all right, we got to do something and actually yes. doing something. So no, I love it. I absolutely love it. It can be a lot. Let it be a lot. Like that, that's freaking amazing. It's amazing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, so with that, like I said, thank you so much for coming. Thank I you for having your me. time. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah. Soon, I hope. This is really great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the F the Glitter podcast. I'm your host, Ashley of A. Louise Creative, where we shine the spotlight on women of color in the industry of graphic design, brand design, marketing strategy, and brand strategy. A special thanks to my guests for joining us today, and we'll be here next week for our next episode of F the Glitter. You can find us on your favorite podcast broadcast station, iTunes, Spotify, Google Cast, and others. We look forward to seeing you next week.